Welcome to Speak with Ibuko. This is a podcast where guests can share their stories and delve into how they came through their journey in life, who and what they encountered along the way, and where they are now. The Decade series continues where guests will share their recollections of decades they have lived and the one they are in now. Welcome back to the podcast with Ibukum. I still have Lisa here. Hey, Lisa. Hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. And we are in Lisa's second decade. In the first decade, she shared a, her idyllic childhood that had its fair bit of trauma, uh, but some very interesting developments. And we will start off with your brother, Lisa, because mm-hmm. from the first decade, you mentioned... Um, because of the huge gap that you had age-wise between the two of you, you felt um, what I heard was a bit of disconnection with him. Could you elaborate more on that? Yeah, I think that um, as I was getting older and entering my teenage years, there wasn't a lot of subjects in common between us. And that was... I think just a little bit unfortunate, really, um, to where we didn't really have a lot of time together um, unless it was obviously after school in the evening when we had dinner together and things like that. But there wasn't a lot of conversation for us um, to share. I remember, though, I mean, there there was, you know, some things that happened that were quite funny that my brother wasn't too pleased about but there was one time I can't remember how old I was I think I might have been about 15 14 15 years old and he was young maybe eight Mm. and he fell asleep in the living room on the sofa on the sofa sitting up like he was he fell asleep watching television with me I I don't even remember what we were watching because I was um varnishing my nails okay you know all young teenage girls do (laughs) I was I was polishing my nails giving myself a manicure and since he fell asleep I thought it would be really funny to put nail polish on his toes on his toenails yeah (laughs) all boys love that (laughs) not so I polished his toenails and he woke up and he was livid I mean beyond angry and that wasn't the reaction I was going for I didn't think that <laughs> well, that what were you going for Lisa I just thought it'd be a joke it was just gonna be hilarious you know I just thought it'd annoy him but it really upset him a lot to where he was mm. like shouting and I think he even actually started crying um and I had to you know take it off I know which was fine I had always intended to take it off I didn't expect him to just keep it on <laughs> so I guess I I guess I, I was a typical, you know, first child in the sense of, you know, picking on or, you know, being a bit silly with him. Um, but we didn't, there were, then there were other moments too that I remember. Another one was when I wanted to go um, to the shopping mall. And so my mom said it must've been like a weekend or something. And my mom said, oh, well, if you're going, why don't you take your brother with you? And I was like, oh, no way. You know, that's just not cool. You know, I don't want to have to take my brother. <laughs> so my That's brother was really excited. He was thinking, hey, this is great. I'm going to get to hang out with my sister. Um, 
And I looked at him and I said, you've got to go to the mall with me. You're not wearing what you're wearing. You need to take those clothes off. And I made him chain, you know, into like, a certain style of trouser he had to wear a particular t-shirt that had snoopy on it oh, um, wow. and you know i was i was very specific <laughs> what shoes he was going to wear the whole thing and um so he would come with me and he he says to this day he he's a good dresser actually he you know he takes care of himself well and and he puts it down to me you know to be a good thing in the end <laughs> So in that sense, did your relationship improve with your brother in your second decade as a teenager? Um, I don't, that's a really hard question for me to answer. I think in my second decade, I went through a lot of struggles. Hmm. Um, And that particular decade wasn't easy for me. Um, I wasn't... I felt like I was living two lives at that particular time in my life. Mm. Um, I had this, this persona that my parents thought I was, which wasn't necessarily extremely different than who I actually was, but it was, it was hard. Um, I got into high school and I became the target of bullet bullying. Mm. And I found that really difficult because I am um, Mexican American, so mm. uh, but I don't. I didn't grow up, and I didn't necessarily look it. Mm. So I was I was very difficult to sort of identify and put in a box. Mm. People, my peers, other you know, like people at school, other students were very clicky, and I didn't I didn't fit the norm. Mm. So. It was, it was very, I struggled a lot in high school. So Mm. I think that put a strain on mine and my brother's relationship Mm. because it also put a strain on my relationship with my parents. Mm. Um, I was, I was quite academic and I was a good student. Mm. I was a cheerleader. So I was, for someone to look at me who didn't know me would they, wow, she's got it all together. You know, Mm. what a great young girl. Um, but on the inside, I was struggling with a lot of things, a lot of pressure. And it wasn't, it was a lot of harassment. I mean, I was being pushed in corridors. I was being called names. I was, and my friends that I had that I had gone into secondary school with from primary school mm. were going through their own things. And I sort of, no, I didn't sort we we became, I guess, not we just sort of stopped being friends really we were going in different directions um and i found that a struggle as well not to have a really strong group that i belonged with i was a bit of a chameleon so i kind of was in and out of different groups um but i didn't have like that really close friend that you could share everything with and and um i found that a struggle what i ended up doing is I would write um, letters to Jesus because I was um, really strong in my faith. I didn't necessarily enjoy going to church on a Sunday um, because there were a lot of people that were there, like young people that were my age that were going there who were bullying me through the week at school. And I struggled with that. Mm. Um, uh, And I felt like on a Sunday, they weren't 
being that person during the week, if that made sense. And it was, I, I struggled with that a lot. Mm. Um, and I was part of a, a group that like a prayer, a, a prayer group. And I was the youngest person in the group. Um, but I was really strong in my faith. And so all of my struggles that I was going through, I couldn't talk to my parents about. Um, we just didn't have that kind of relationship. I think the generation that my parents were in, they, they weren't used to having to talk to their parents as they were growing up. It wasn't something that, you know, they shared. It was sort of like children are to be seen, not heard, maybe. Mm. I don't know. I don't know if that's the right, the right saying. So I think the way that my parents were raised was completely different to how they were raising my brother and myself. But I just didn't have that kind of connection with either of them to where they would want to know what was really going on. Um, so I was struggling a lot. So I would just write letters to Jesus and I would put them under my bed. Mm. And um, when I turned 18, I left home. So okay. I was going through a lot of struggles and it wasn't, it wasn't a surprise for me. Um, it was a surprise for my parents. Are um, you leaving home? Yeah. Okay, when they, you say you left, did you, yeah. did you leave or run? Run. Oh, you ran, ran away from home. I ran away, yeah. Um, and it was, it was a decision that I made without, I really felt like I didn't have any other choice. Um, because throughout my teenage life at, at secondary school, my father became extremely strict. Like I said, I was, I was a cheerleader mm -hmm. and part of the responsibility of being a cheerleader is we would have to practice after school for hours, mm -hmm. um, to get moves down and, you know, cheers. And it was, it was serious business. I know it sounds quite silly, you know, but at that time it was an important thing. And we were, mm -hmm. you know, it, it was important what we did. And my father didn't like that we would go on the bus with the, um, with the athletes. He mm. didn't like that. Okay. Um, so that caused a lot of tension between me, the school, my parents, um, because everybody was doing that, but it wasn't something that he particularly approved of. Mm. So it caused a lot of tension. Um, and as I was being bullied as well, um, it was sort of like a gang of girls and they weren't necessarily some were at our school, but some weren't. So I would constantly be anxious on where I was going, who I would run into. Um, and just, it was, it wasn't, it was always, it was very, there was a lot of tension for me growing up. And I remember sitting down with my parents and saying, you know, just basically what I said to you earlier, I feel like I'm living two lives. I feel like I'm the daughter that you, you want me to be, that you think that I am, but then there's who I really am. And, and who are you really? I was, I was scared. I was really fearful of, you know, these group of girls who were threatening. And um, I remember, oh, backing up just a little bit, my parents and I, sold our home well not me but they sold their home their the first home that i grew up in where i i attended primary school up until about year three and my neighbor my neighbor's child was my best friend and 
we did everything together. We were always in, in and out of each other's houses. And, you know, it, it, we always had a lot of fun. And we would have sleepovers. And it was just lots of fun. So when we moved out of the neighborhood and we moved across town and, and we moved into an, a nicer area, a nicer house, a bigger house, um, I ended up having, because I grew up in a small town, and mm -hmm. so there were two high schools and that was it. So I ended up being bused to the high, to the high school, sorry, junior high school, that I would have been going to um, had I still lived at the other um, neighborhood that yeah. I was younger in. Mm -hmm. um, and so we thought that was going to be really good because I stayed in contact with her mm -hmm. and, you know, she would come over on the weekends sometime for a sleepover. And, and so we maintained a relationship, but once she was a year older than I was. So when I got to the school, she started giving me a hard time. And I said, to my parents, mm. this person is really giving me a hard time and they couldn't believe it. They were like, but why, you know, why, why is this happening? Mm. And um, my father decided that he would get on the phone with her father and talk to him about what was going on between his daughter and, and me. So mm -hmm. that didn't go down very well. And mm. apparently she came to school the next, I came to school the next day on the bus and outside of the bus was a huge amount of people, uh, students, and she was standing there waiting for me. And I, I was shaking. I was shaking, physically shaking, holding my books. And I looked at the bus driver and everybody on the bus knew mm. that what was going to happen, that she was there to confront me. Mm. And so I was really scared. And everyone got off the bus and the bus driver looked at me and I said, I really don't want to get off the bus. And he said, you've got to, you know, I can't, I can't keep you on the bus. You've got to go. Mm. And so I went and I got off the bus and she said to me, I got in trouble last night. And I said, well, you know, she, I said, I, that's not my fault. You know, I'm not, it's not my fault. And she mm. said, my dad pulled my phone out of my room because back then nobody had mobile phones. <laughs> but <laughs> well, what we year had, were we talking about? Eighty something? Um, yeah, probably seventy-seven, maybe seventy-eight, okay. okay. some, somewhere around there. So yeah, if if you were cool, then you got to have your own phone in your room. Ah. So that was that's what she had. She had a phone in her room, as did I. Mm -hmm. And um, so her dad was so angry with her for being mean to me that he pulled her phone out of the wall and she was not allowed to have it anymore. So she was really upset with me. And, um, and we, we got into a physical fight. She punched me and I'd never gotten in a fight before in my life. So, and it was, you know, it was like such a strange time, like in the sense, like everything felt like it was an out of body experience. Like, like I did not feel, I felt like I was watching it from a distance. Like, mm, you know, mm. I, and, and, but I just remember not feeling any pain of when she was punching me, but I just remember thinking, okay, when she hit me, I then copied what she did and I did it back because I didn't know how to fight. And I remember holding on to my books for a long time. So there was a little bit of protection there and she just kept, she then pulled my hair. So she was pulling my hair. So then I thought, okay, well I'll pull your hair. 
And it felt like a really long period of time passed, but I'm sure it wasn't. And then a teacher came out and we got separated. And, mm. and then I got, um, we both got suspended, like a two week suspension from school. And that was really embarrassing. It was awful. It was like, you know, not, not anything that you want to have happen to you as a mm. teenage you know, person. Follow us on Instagram at speak podcast and you will find each guest has an interesting fact or picture to share with you. Let's get back to the interview. So after the two weeks, I had to go back to school and that my dad, he, oh, bless him. He was like, nope, we're going to take you out. We're going to put you in private school. Mm -hmm. Um, and they wanted to put me in a Catholic school. There was a Catholic, an all girls school that they wanted to put me in. And I said, no. And they looked at me and they said, what do you mean? No. And I said, no. I said, because if I don't go back, they will win. They will have won. And I said, I don't want that to be the case. I said, I don't want to go back. Yes, I'm scared, mm -hmm. but I've got to go back. I've got, I've got to. And that so. courage uh, in one so young, I, I would ask <laughs> where that came from and how that then resulted to you running away at a what happened like where the courage came from um i don't know if it was courage or just you know being naive also because when i did go back i i i that's where all of my bullying started is mm. you know i was you know things were said to me as i was passing through halls and you know just it, it just wasn't nice and it wasn't easy but i just thought if i can just get through it it'll get easier and and it did mm. it did um and I think because I also had a life outside of school and that really helped. Um, in that sense, it was, it was okay, mm. but you know, it wasn't, it wasn't enjoyable. And I think what led to me running away when I turned 18 is because as much as I tried to reach out to my parents, I didn't feel I had that support from them. Mm. They weren't, I don't, I don't mean this to be disrespectful because they were, they were great on so many levels. And I know looking back now, they really did the best they could. They really did. They provided a great home. They, you know, we never went without anything, my brother and I. We, we were always encouraged to uh, try new things. And, you know, our, there wasn't anything that I could have wanted or needed growing up. But I think in their minds, that's what they focused on more than possibly emotional support. And because I really felt so separated from them, um, and my parents fought often. Um, they had, their, their relationship was, as I was getting older, I saw how much my father was drinking. And it wasn't something that really was noticeable when I was younger. I knew that he drank and I knew that he got drunk, but it didn't really affect our lifestyle, if that makes sense. So yeah. as we got old, as I got older, I saw it more and more. It affected me more and more um, to where I would talk to him and I'd say, daddy, can you please stop drinking? I really would like you to stop drinking. Um, so there were some issues in our family as well when I was, you know, for that second, de sec second decade of my life. Um, and because I just, 
I felt like I was living a lie. I wasn't, I just had no relief. There was no peace for me. Um, and I just, I couldn't do it anymore. And I had, I remember one night, it, this was the breaking point. It was, I was 17 years old and it was in, in America high school, you finish year 12. Okay. That would have been my senior year. So this was my junior year before my senior year, junior year. I was 17, 16, 17 years old. And I remember just breaking down and crying to my mom and my dad to please let me move to another town in California and live with my uncle and aunt and their kids, my cousins, because I was being harassed so bad. The girls that were giving me a hard time, they carried guns and they had them in their cars. You know, I was a teenager who had my own car. There was a parking area, parking spaces for students at the high school. You know, it's not it's not like here. It's a little bit different in the UK than how it was when I was growing up. But these girls had guns. They were serious. They had mm. weapons. It was, it was a very frightening mm. time for me. Um, and I don't know if it was just difficult for my parents to really accept that. I don't know if they just felt like, oh, that you're just being dramatic, Lisa. Mm. Um, and I, I found it just too much. And so I, you ran away. Yeah. Because what did they, you run they, to? I had a friend and her mom and her lived um, together. Her, her parents were divorced okay. and they let me move in with them. And I remember when I was younger, my father saying to me, if you ever leave this house, you're not welcome back. So the fact that I had made that decision that mm. I was going to do that was really painful for me. But I really didn't see any other option. I really, really didn't. I was so, so unhappy. Um, and it was heartbreaking. I mean, heartbreaking. But I was so afraid. You know, I was really, really afraid of my, of my dad. Mm -hmm. um, there was one time, I remember, when I started driving, I took someone home after school. And they lived in the wrong side of town. Okay. And... I took, and I was not allowed to drive in that area of town. I was only allowed to stay where in my little community, in my little area, I wasn't allowed to drive across town, mm -hmm. but I did. I drove her home and she lived across town. And as I had dropped her off and was coming back home, I did something called a California stop. So you know how you have stop signs yes. and you're, you need to come to a complete stop when you approach a stop sign, right? Yes. Well, I came to a stop sign and I did what they call a California stop where you just hit the brakes. But if no one's coming, you don't come to a full and complete stop. You just go, you just coast and you just, <laughs> you, cruise you know, through. accelerate. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So I did that. And the policeman, so he pulled me over and I got a ticket and I was so scared. I was like, Oh my gosh, I, I'm going to get it now. I'm going to be in so much trouble. Tell my parents anything. And I was just like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm going to be in so much trouble. So <laughs> I got the ticket and I took it from the post and I, I went and hit it and I opened it up and read it. And it wasn't just a ticket where I had to pay a fine. I had to go with one of my parents to court because I was a minor. Oh, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> okay. yes. So, so yeah. who did you tell about the ticket then? I actually told my dad. And it was quite funny because that evening I said to my dad, I was like, dad, I have something to tell you. 
and you're not going to like it. Mm. And, and so I need, I need to talk with you. And he was like, okay. And he said, hang on a minute. And he went to the fridge and he grabbed a beer and then he sat down and he lit up a cigarette and he said, okay, so dad, I've got a, I didn't, I got a ticket. I got a ticket. I was in the wrong side of town and I got a ticket mm. and he started laughing and he was so relieved. He thought I was going to tell him I was pregnant or something I like that. I was thinking <laughs> the same thing that he must have thought. <laughs> let, let me get, let me get a beer. Yeah. <laughs> to calm myself down just in case this yeah. girl tells me she's pregnant. I know. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. So he, he went to court with you, right? Mm-hmm. He was great. He was really, really great. So let's so, go back to having run away then, Lisa. Yeah. So yeah. did they know where you were, your parents? Originally, no, they mm. didn't. Um, I didn't want them to know. I was, I was afraid. I was afraid of uh, telling you little snippets and, you know, mm. bits and pieces about my past. And looking at it now, it's, it's so hard to recreate it mm. um, to the point of the, the amount of fear that I was in. Um, so my father really, I, I was afraid of him. I mean, I, he gave me when I was 14 years old was the last time that I got a, a whipping or a mm. spanking, I guess when I was 14 and mm. I deserved it or I deserved something because I was really mean to my mom and I had called her a bad word. Um, and she said, go to your room. And you're, when your dad gets home, you, he can deal with you kind of thing. Mm. And, um, and so he did. And so I got a belt to mm. my bottom, to my bare bottom. So um, I was, it was like walking on eggshells in our house. I didn't mm. know how he would respond. It was never, you know, steady. It was never steady. Mm. Um, because that was at 14. And yeah, that was then, 14, then that- getting to 18, what was yeah. ringing in your mind, um, you shared earlier, was him saying, if you leave, you'll never yeah. come back. And yet yes. you still decided to leave. Yeah. I was How- just, like I, I said, I felt like I was living a double life. Yeah. I was, you know, I was really struggling at school. And I don't think that people, they didn't. They didn't have any realization mm-hmm. or I, 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 it really, the straw that broke the camel's back is when I spoke to them and I begged them begged them sobbing my heart out to please let me move with family mm. please let me move away and and my dad's response was like no you're our daughter you're not going to go live with somebody else and have mm. them raise you and I can appreciate that now being a parent um mm. what he was saying but at the same time that was the end of it it was wow. never you know it wasn't sort of like well, why is she saying this to us what what is going on that she's so unhappy you know there was no no curiosity there was there was mm. just they had things going on like i said my father drank a lot um and there were you know family issues that were going on and that didn't help it didn't help so how long were you away from home did you ever go back no i didn't i really took to heart what my dad said i mean we rebuilt our relationships with each other but I mm. never moved back home. By then, you know, I was, I was um, going to college. Mm. Um, and then college is like equivalent to university here. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then I ended up moving to Los Angeles to pursue an acting career, which had always been what I wanted to do from the age of four years old. I, wow. I knew I wanted to be a movie star. <laughs> That's what I wanted to do. <laughs> Brilliant. So, okay. So that brings us, I guess, towards the end of your second decade, going into college and looking at an acting career. So mm -hmm. as I asked with the first, now that you are all grown, is there anything yeah. about that decade that stands out starkly in terms of, I, I didn't think that way when I was going through whatever I was going through between the ages of 11 and 20? That I didn't think that way. What do you What do you mean, Ibuka? So has has your perception changed on anything that happened in that decade? Now that you look back at it, um, no, it 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 hasn't changed. I don't think that. I think the only thing that I think about is when I left. Mm. Um, when I when I ran away, I didn't think about the effect it would have on my brother and and on my parents mm. you know and um and i think that's that's a bit heartbreaking so i'm really grateful that we were able to make amends you know i was able we were able to rebuild our relationships okay so yeah so we we look forward to hearing how that happened in your third decade because okay. I, I can see that's where we will find where, where that redemption happened Mm. I would like to close off your second decade uh, just, just with a, a few words in terms of in seeking to understand each other as a family. You mm. could resolve quite a lot of hurt and prevent trauma, as you shared, if your father had asked why you needed to move yeah. and sought to understand and help you like he did do with a ticket yeah. and he did yeah. do when he felt someone who shouldn't be bullying you was bullying you. Yeah. We could be telling a totally different story now. Yeah. So true. So true. Well, I look forward to talking to Lisa about your third decade and thank you for listening to Lisa's third, uh, second decade. Um, join us in the third. Thank you for listening. All of us have a story to share. You can contact us at info at thespeakpodcast.com or learn more about this podcast at www.thespeakpodcast.com. I hope to welcome you on the next episode.